Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Monday, November 14th, 2022. On today's podcast, we're going to preview the Kentucky-Michigan State basketball game. It's Tuesday night, the Champions Classic at GameBridge Fieldhouse there in Indianapolis. It's, as I said, 7 o'clock start on ESPN. Kentucky has opened the season 2-0 and with blowout wins over Howard and Duquesne. Michigan State is 1-1. and They defeated Northern Arizona. Arizona in the Spartans opener, and then they lost by just a single point to number two Gonzaga out at the Armed Forces Classic out in San Diego on Friday night. To help me preview the game, I talked with Matt Charbonneau of the Detroit News, and I also talked to Ben Roberts, my friend and colleague who covers UK basketball for the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. When I talked to Ben, we also talked about uh, DJ Wagner, who committed to Kentucky this afternoon as well, we talked about Kentucky's recruiting class for 2023. Uh, obviously, a great class even before DJ Wagner committed. Not unexpected. Uh, it seemed seemed to be everybody thought that DJ would do what he did today. We would just commit to Kentucky. So he's almost kind of like the cherry on top of what is a really a really impressive recruiting class for John Calipari for two that for next season for 2023. So, without any further ado, let's get right to it. First. I talk with Matt Charbonneau of the Detroit News and then Ben Roberts of the Herald-Leader at Kentucky.com to preview Tuesday night's game between Kentucky and Michigan State. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Matt Charbonneau of the Detroit News who covers Michigan State. How's it going, Matt? Good, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, Michigan State, Kentucky in the Champions Classic on Tuesday night in Indianapolis. It's the 7 o'clock game, the first game on ESPN. Matt, what, what about this Michigan State team? What, what were the expectations for Tom Izzo's team coming into this season? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Obviously, the, the overall expectations are always high in that program. But there were, there were some realities to the roster that probably have tempered those expectations for most people. Um, I don't know if Tom Izzo's one of them. Uh, maybe in an honest, maybe an honest moment, he would uh, uh, accept some of it. But you know, th- and most people know this. I mean, they've lost they lost a lot in that front court, um, and they didn't. A lot of people expected Tom to go into the transfer portal and find some help in the front court, and he didn't. Um, this was his off season to say, "Look, I'm I'm going with the guys I've got and and guys he had recruited." Um, of course, it's you know the transfer portal is a two way street too, right? I mean, guys got to come there. Um, so he, you know, he lost a lot in the front court and basically said, "I'm, I'm, I've got this guy Madi Sissoko, who's through his first two years in the program really didn't play, um, and he had two freshmen coming in, Jackson Kohler, a fairly highly rated guy, and Carson Cooper, kind of a more off the, off the radar sort of guy, and." So he's coming in with two true freshmen and a guy who's, you know, averaged about three minutes a game his first two careers or through his career the first two years. So uh, there was plenty of skepticism there, uh, and, and rightly so. But at the same time, Michigan State's got some experienced guards, um, potentially could be very good at guard when you're talking about A.J. Hogart at point guard, Tyson Walker in his second year now uh, playing a lot off the ball. Jay Nakins is a guy they really think could take a huge step this year. He's a little behind right now because he had a foot surgery back in September. Um, but it, it, they feel like that backcourt can be really, really good. The question mark is just the front court and the depth, which, you know, is could be a problem. And, and look, we saw that in the first game or the second game against Gonzaga the other night. Uh, at moments, Mati Sissoko played great, but he's also one to get in foul trouble, and there's not a lot of depth from there. Michigan State will go small. 
with Joey Hauser at the five, Malik Hall at the four, and that's a great matchup sometimes offensively. Uh, but when you're playing some of these teams with size and length, um, which they're going to see quite a bit, it, it's a defensive problem. So it's that fine line of how often you use that lineup, how often you rely on inexperienced bigs. So that's all a long way of saying the expectations for Tom Izzo don't change. But the reality is this might be a team that, you know, if they kind of finish that top half of the Big Ten, get back in the NCAA tournament, and then you got, you know, a top three class coming next year. So a lot of interesting aspects, but um, they aren't going to show up Tuesday night and expect to lose, I can tell you that. But uh, right. some, some, some more people outside might say it's going to be a little bit tougher to, to win that game. Well, how do you think they've looked in the first two games? Open with the win over Northern Arizona and then took Gonzaga, led Gonzaga at the half, took them right to the wire, the number two team in the country. How do you think they've looked so far? Well, I mean, pretty good in the sense that that, they, that Gonzaga game they had won. I mean, they are up 12 in the second half. I mean, they were the they were the better team for probably 30 minutes of that game, which you can look at two ways. It's going to tell you, if you believe Gonzaga to be one of the you know, a Final Four type team, and I, you know, we can debate that all day. But right. if you believe they're one of the best teams in the country, you can look at it as Michigan State and say, for thirty minutes, we were the better team. Uh, the, the the negative side to that is, well, you couldn't close, right? I mean, when it came down to it, you weren't able to contain an All American like Drew Timmy. You didn't have, you know, the thing they were worried about is that front court depth that came back to bite them. So, you know, in a sense, they've it's been a really good start. They've, you know, they've done a lot of the things they want to. And look, you know, you're playing that Gonzaga game outside on a ship. There's wind, you know, (laughs) neither team shot very well. I mean, there was the one end. I mean, guys were banging it off the backboard. I think both shot like about 20% from three. It was, it wasn't exactly a masterpiece because of that. So you're, you're wondering a little bit, how much can you take from it because of that sort of scenario? But in terms of how hard they're going to play, the way they're going to defend, certainly the way those guards are going to play. I, I think they got to feel pretty good about where they're at. But, you know, this schedule early is so rough. You got Kentucky and they're going to play Villanova Friday. And, you know, they're going to play in the PK 80 thing, starting with Alabama and could play Oregon and North Carolina out there. It's, it's a tough schedule to say the least. You just, for Michigan State's sake, you got to hope that it doesn't lead to, you know, five, six losses in a row and the confidence goes. So, you know, they, they, but I, I, I feel like they got to think they're, they're, they're in a pretty good spot and they like the way these first two games have gone. You talked about Sissoko, the center. As you mentioned, he didn't play a whole lot his first two years. I was impressed with him the other night, the, uh, the Gonzaga yeah. game watching that. Uh, what, I mean, has he just improved a lot over? Was he a project when they brought him into Michigan State? Just, just talk a little more about him. Yeah, he was a little bit of project in the sense that he was still pretty raw, even his last year out. And now I'm forgetting the name of the academy he played out west. Uh, but he was hurt his senior year. He had, had like a wrist issue that limited his time. And he, you know, he's only been over in the U.S. for a few years. He's from from Mali and um, in Africa. And so it's yeah, it's still a little bit new to him. So it's he he. I mean, you, you got to expect the progress isn't going to come maybe like as quickly for some guys who've been playing since right. you know whenever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to, to say he's taken a big leap from his first two years to what we saw the other night, I, that'd be an understatement. I, the key for him is that is that a sign of what we're going to see from Mati Sissoko on a regular basis? If it is, it's been a pretty impressive uh, leap for him in, in a short amount of time because, really, he was just a guy that's, again, you saw him a lot of physical ability, uh, but when he would get in, he'd foul too quickly. He'd make silly, you know, just kind of right. mental mistakes. Um 
And I tell you, halfway through that game against Gonzaga, we're all kind of saying, hold. I didn't figure I'd be sitting here saying, boy, Michigan State really needs Monty Sissoko on the court if they want to win this game. I mean, that's <laughs> just not something you – but that was the reality. By the second half, that was their best chance of winning because he was the only guy that could somewhat contain Drew Timmy, not totally, obviously. Um, and he was playing well offensively, and he made, yeah, okay, on his free throws. was right. started a little rough, but then he made his last, what, four or five, and – He's uh, you know he's a, he's a rim protector. He's got to learn a little bit on his help defense because they got hurt on the offensive glass a lot there, which doesn't bode well for a Kentucky matchup. But, you know he has taken a big leap and he's he, he's been he's been everything Tom Izzo hoped he would be uh, when he kind of made this gamble to not go get anybody else out of the portal. What about what about Joey Hauser? Uh, I know he got in foul trouble the other night against Gonzaga, yeah. but how important is he to this team? I think he's, I mean, massively important. And I think you saw why in getting in that early foul trouble. He played, I mean, three, four minutes the first half. And, and and when that happens, the tendency with Joey, when he doesn't get going early, then it's it's tough for him to kind of pick it up later in the game. I mean, if, he's, if he gets going early, makes a few shots, you can pretty much count on him being engaged the whole way. I mean, that was a tough thing the other night because not only are you out with the fouls, but you're sitting over there in the cold. <laughs> um, and you try and come back. It's not like because you, you look over at the bench and get, when guys are out, they're putting towels over themselves, over their legs, and you know it's it was kind of cold. And so when he had to come in in the back in the second half, it just he never really had any rhythm or flow, and so those early fouls hurt. But I, if you look, you know, going back to say the NCAA tournament games last last year at the end, he, I mean, he was the reason they beat Davidson. It was the reason they almost. It had Duke beat, you know, and um, he played well in the first game against Northern Arizona, looking for his shot, you know, finding his offense on his own. And um, I, I think he's he, he's really critical to this team and whatever they're going to do this year. So if if he's engaged early, gets in a flow offensively early, I think it's a good night for Michigan State most times. The, the problem is if he does get in foul trouble, and, and 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 look, sometimes he's getting put in a tough spot. If he's gonna, if he's do small ball five, look at some of the guys he's got to guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a tough matchup for him in some of those scenarios. So it's it's a fine line with Joey. He could be really good some nights, and others if you got to if he's got to defend some big guy, he's getting pushed around. So it'll it'll be interesting. But he 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 would be a wild card if that guy's going well. Then Michigan State's going well. Okay, man. What about Tuesday night? Uh, you talked about Michigan State's guards. Uh, I assume they're one of the big keys Tuesday going against Kentucky. And what are what are some other keys for Michigan State? You think? Yeah, the guards for sure. I mean, obviously they're going to be for Michigan State all year. Um, it was funny hearing Tom Izzo talk. You know about the the bizarre thing about Kentucky is they've got all these seniors they're relying on. Yeah. They're counting on good you know good players as seniors too, and it's like. <laughs> He's like, what the hell is going on? It's supposed to be all freshmen at Kentucky, but right. um, so obviously it's a game. You know, the, the length and athleticism of Kentucky is far different from what they just saw, and with Gonzaga. So it's like you got two te- two really good teams they played, but yeah, they're not really the same sort of team. And you know, Kentucky's going to get after the offensive glass like they always do, and that so far has been a problem for Michigan State. So the the, the big focus for them is to get those guards rebounding. If you see guys like A.J. Hogard, Pierre Brooks, Jade Nakins, if they're hitting the glass and those guys are grabbing four or five rebounds apiece, then Michigan State's probably in good shape. That's easier said than done, though, with, with a team like Kentucky that, that, you know, again, length and athleticism, they're going to be able to, to beat you a lot on that. So that, that's a concern. you gotta you got to wonder, 
they don't know is Oscar going to play? How much is he going to play? Right. Um, so the you know the game planning and matchups are, are tough to come up with too. But um, it, it's going to be the same for Michigan State in a lot of matchups. If those guards are playing well, you keep the rebounding. You know, it, it's so weird because Michigan State is a rebounding program, right? Right. But with their limitations in the front court this year, it's going to be an issue. And if if they can at least keep it close with Kentucky, maybe you know, say even on the glass. They're going to be in really good shape. If, if Kentucky's dominating the glass, it might be a long night. Um, I'm not sure the guards can shoot their way out of that. So uh, that's a key for them. Well, it'll be, be an interesting night. It'll be an interesting night, that's for sure. Uh, Kentucky and Michigan State, 7 o'clock in the Champions Classic uh, on ESPN on Tuesday. Matt, tell the listeners how they can follow you on Twitter and how they can check out your work at the Detroit News Online. Yeah, the Twitter is just my name, at Matt Charbonneau, C-H-A-R-B-O-N-E-A-U. Um, and then DetroitNews.com. Yep, we'll have uh, certainly plenty of coverage from the champions, uh, or as Tom Izzo calls it, the Tournament of Champions. He still hasn't gotten that right in 12 years. But uh, we, all, we all know the event, and we all know the teams that will be there, so we'll, uh, we'll do our best to cover it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it should be a great night in Indy. Matt, really appreciate it. Everybody check out Matt's work. He does a great job at the Detroit News. They do a great job covering all Michigan athletics, especially Michigan State. Matt, thanks again for being on the podcast. You got it, Jim. Anytime. Thanks. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is UK basketball beat writer for the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com, Ben Roberts. How's it going, Ben? Good, John. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. We are recording this on Monday afternoon. Kentucky plays Michigan State on Tuesday night in the Champions Classic. But uh, just before we started recording, a little bit of news, not unexpected news, but uh, news on the Kentucky recruiting front. D.J. Wagner has officially committed to Kentucky. Obviously not a surprise, but this that's uh, a pretty good class uh, John Calpary has put together, correct? Yeah, number one ranking and, and even uh... – you know, on paper, compared to past classes that he's had, it, it's going to be right up there in the mix of, of one of the best ones he's ever had at Kentucky, which is obviously saying something. And it's, you know, I, there's a lot of different tiers to, to not only how important DJ was to this class, but also how important this class is uh, in general. Um, and you know, as much success as Calipari's had, it, it's only his second number one recruiting class by the composite rankings in the last six or seven years. Uh, and it obviously comes at a time, you know, coming off uh, three or two NCAA tournaments in one year where they didn't get to play in one or where there, where there was an NCAA tournament without a victory. Um, it, I think it, it's a class that could really uh, generate, uh, you know, a, a new spark into the program um, along with this, this current team, which I think is going to do that too, uh, the way they play this season. So what's the best thing about DJ Wagner? You've seen him play. What what's what's the best thing about him? I think it's it's just his uh his speed and his ability to to score with that speed. Um I, I still think there you know there's still people out there who don't necessarily think he's a quote unquote true point guard yet that he that he could improve his decision making especially in the half court that he could improve his passing abilities is just kind of overall point guard abilities but you know once you get him loose on the break in transition even in the half court he, he's he's so quick and he has such a spurt ability i guess with the ball that, that he just really disrupts everything that's going on on the court and i think a big thing with him is you're pairing him with Rob Dillingham, who could do a lot of those same things. Uh, another top 10 player in this 2023 class. 
He's obviously coming in with a lot of other really good recruits around him. And then, you know, you get a CJ Frederick back, um, maybe an Antonio Reeves back, uh, other other players off this team, other backcourt players. I think they're going to be able to throw a, a lot of different looks. And his upside is just, I mean, he he has all the tools. He obviously has the the family background, but but this is a kid who has been ranked number one basically since the eighth grade, since there have been rankings in this class. And we've seen some guys in the past fall off at various points. And some places don't have him number one anymore, but he's still in that top two, three, even number one discussion. Uh, so it's been sustained. He's been in the spotlight his whole high school career, and, and he just keeps on performing. And, and I think this is a great fit to put him around a lot of other really, really good players and see what he can do. And remind uh, briefly who who the other guys in this class are. You mentioned Dillingham. Who are the others? Yeah, I mean, you've got DJ Wagner, who's, I guess you'd call him a combo guard. You've got Justin Edwards as, as a six seven small forward, really defensive-minded guy. And then Aaron Bradshaw is a, is a near seven-foot center who's very, very versatile for that position. All three of those guys are either ranked number one or in the very serious discussion to be number one in, in various uh, national rankings. So, I mean, three, you're talking three of the three of the top four or five players in the country all coming to Kentucky. And then past that, you have Rob Dillingham, who I think um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the best college freshman of all those guys, just because he's such a great scorer and has a lot of offensive skills that I think translate immediately to the college level. And then obviously Reed Shepard, who, who I'm sure everybody out there is, has uh, been following and, and heard quite a bit about over the last two, three, four years uh, with, with his family connection and, and just how well he's played uh, here in the state of Kentucky his high school career. Okay, let's let's make the transition of, uh, over to the here and now. Kentucky-Michigan State on Tuesday night. As you mentioned, Kentucky, a couple of blowout wins last week over Howard and Duquesne. Uh, what, how do you feel about this Kentucky team going into Tuesday night, and what kind of test is this going to be for John Calipari's club? Yeah, as far as, you know, how they look, how I feel about them, it's it's tough because uh, Oscar Shibway hadn't been out there, Damian right. Collins hasn't been out there, and and Xavier Wheeler, you know, was supposed to be on a minutes count, ended up playing 27 the other night. But, um, you know, he we haven't seen a ton of him, obviously, o- over the last few weeks. So uh, I, nobody knows what this team really is going to look like once you get all those pieces together. Uh, and they're playing a Michigan State team for, for folks who went back and watched that uh, Gonzaga game, um, which I did last night. I mean, this is a tough, physical Vintage Tom Izzo type of team that's not going to let you get anything easy, whether it's in transition in the half court, you know, whatever. They're going to be up in you. They're going to be rebounding. They're going. They're going to play it hard, hard and physical. It's it's Kentucky's not scoring ninety five points or eighty two points against this team. It's uh, it's going to be one of those first one to to seventy two, seventy four. If if anybody gets there, uh, wins. I think. Um, and you know it's with with the kind of the question marks of of how this team gels and what they look like once they're all on the on the court together. Plus, you know how how capable this Michigan te- Michigan State team looks like uh, they can play right off the bat. It's it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a really tough game. To me, the last couple of teams that Cal's had has not been his most physical teams. He's, I mean, he's had some size. You know, Oscar is a physical player under the glass as far as rebounding and so forth goes. But he, I don't know that he, you know, he's not a real shot blocker. We'll talk about it on Yenso here in a minute. 
But uh, to me, this is a little more physical Kentucky team, don't you think? And I think Wallace and Livingston have something to do with that, even though they're not like six nine bangers. They're solid guys and solid players. Do you think this is a little more physical team than we've seen the last couple of years? Yeah, I would agree, especially with Case and Wallace. I mean, you know, you you talk about physical, you don't think about it. You know, a six four, six five, not necessarily a huge guy, but. Uh, he's strong and he's wiry and he, you know, he's <laughs> the, whoever he's playing against at that two spot. Um, he's going to be physical to them because that's yeah. the way he plays. Uh, Chris Livingston. Yes. I mean, he looks like an NBA physically. He looks like an NBA player. Uh, he did, he did for most of his high school career. So he's used to playing that way. Um, Lance Ware, you know, depending on how much Oscar plays, assuming he does play Lance Ware is, is uh you know he's not the the hugest guy but he's physical he gets up in you even Xavier Wheeler at 59 i mean he he doesn't give an inch i mean he's again he's he's not going to knock you down but but he's going to make things tough on you and yeah I, I think i think all those guys can bring that and it, i'm really interested and i asked Cal about this today you know they've been on Jacob Toppin um to be more physical to play more uh, you know, around the rim, play lower. Um, play and I'm contact. really, yeah, play through contact, create contact. Uh, and I'm really interested to see what he does after watching Michigan State in that Gonzaga game. You know, if if he can do that against this team, and and if so, what kind of player he looks like? Because I mean, we've we've talked about him all off season, all preseason, and and we've we've already seen even more flashes of it. Just how good he can be, and I think Kentucky's coaches want that physicality to to be part of what he can be. You mentioned you mentioned Cal Perry. I spoke to the media earlier today. Probably should ask you this up front. What did he say about Oscar Shibway? He he said Oscar will be returning to practice uh, right now, which are they're actually practicing as we speak. Um, this will be his first, uh, I guess, full practice, if you want to call it that, since um, since pro day uh, when we saw him, which I think was October 9th, uh, over there at the craft center. So it's been more than a month. He's he has been doing some drills. He's been doing some like no contact stuff over the last few days, but this will be the first time that. He's in there and he's banging and, and he's, you know, going out in scrimmages. And it sounded like uh, reading, you didn't really have to read too much in between the lines. I mean, it sounds like as long as that knee doesn't swell up after what he goes through today, then he's going to play tomorrow night. Cal didn't say that. He said, you know, wait and see. But the the way he was talking about it, especially compared to the way he's talked about not only this injury in the recent past, but but other injuries since he's been here, it certainly sounds like um, they would expect him to play. And, and that's kind of been the expectation from what I've been hearing uh, for the last couple of weeks is that this game, uh, he would be ready to, to be back on the court uh, by this game, if not before. So unless something happens bad today or unless he just you know, gets back to the dorm tonight or wakes up in the morning and then that thing is swelled back up again. I would expect to see him out there tomorrow night. I don't know, you know, if that means 32 minutes. Um, and Cal did say if he does play, he thought it would be in, in maybe three or four minutes spurts tomorrow. But um, he said right before the, he said the day of the, the Duquesne game Friday that he was going to keep Xavier Willard at 10 or 12 maybe right. 15 minutes he played 27 <laughs> right. so you know and uh, we've all seen how oscar plays so if he's out there and he's banging and he's feeling good and nothing's going wrong um i i, I would hesitate to put a cap on how much he could play against michigan state tomorrow night what about damian collins what's his situation 
Yeah, Damien. So, uh, Damien obviously came back last week. He got in right around midnight, the night of the season opener. So, a couple hours after that game was over. And then he ended up practicing um, twice, I guess, Wednesday and Thursday last week. And then went back home at the end of the week. They had um, a private ceremony for his father on Friday and then, then a public service uh, Saturday, which... Cal and Cason Wallace, who, who is uh, Damien's cousin, and, and some other folks from UK went down to attend that. And then Damien rode the plane back Saturday with those guys. Uh, Cal said he practiced already once. I assume that was, was yesterday, Sunday. Had practiced once since he'd been back and was going to practice again today. And he just kind of made it sound like it, it, it was a no-brainer that, that he would not only be available but would be playing um, – Tuesday night against Michigan State. I kind of thought, especially with with Damian being, I mean, he's a thin guy. I mean, he, he is not the most physical guy. Um, and coming off not only what he's come off of, but also not having the exhibition games or, or the, the first two regular season games, I thought this might be a tough spot to get him back in there. I thought maybe they'd wait. They'd have him dress. They'd have him go make the trip, be around the guys but maybe wait till that South Carolina state game on Thursday to, to make his season debut. But Cal uh, did not bring that up at all. I mean, he, he, he made it pretty clear. He expects them to play tomorrow night. Okay. Ben, we've come to the part of the podcast where, where I ask you, what are the keys for Kentucky on Tuesday against the, as you said, a physical Michigan state team that, uh, you know, your top, your typical Tom Izzo, we're going to, we're going to check you as Izzo likes to say, what are, what are, what are the keys for Kentucky? Yeah. I mean, I think the most obvious is matching that physicality or at least, you know, playing with that physicality. They can't get pushed around. They can't lose the 50, 50 balls. Um, and it's something that I think they need to establish early on. I mean, you know, if they come out and they take a couple punches and they're down 10 to two, 12 to two, something like that, um, that can be tough to come back from, especially as you're trying to, to integrate, you know, new players into your lineup and, and, and work on what your rotations are going to be. Um, I think rebounding over the course of the game is probably going to be at the top of the list. Um, especially if Oscar play, well, especially if he doesn't play too, um, or, or doesn't play much, uh, that's a team that is going to battle for every rebound, every loose ball, uh, they're gonna they're gonna tip it around. They're they're gonna they're gonna try to keep those possessions, um, and I and I think that is gonna be something that the Cal stresses and, and is gonna be gonna be a key going into the game. Hey, what, what do you think? Uganda uh, Ayenso, who to me has looked really good these first two games for somebody who's you know very raw as far as he's raw on the offensive end, but boys look good on defense. Do you think he plays a role in this game? Yeah, I think he does. I think he has to. I mean, I I don't. You know, I if the over under on minutes for Oscar is thirty, I, I think you certainly bet under on that, um, and and maybe under twenty five, maybe even under twenty, depending on how things go and, and how he feels coming off today. So somebody's going to have to pick up that slack. Lance Ware obviously brings some physicality, brings a lot of energy. Uh, it can can really, I think, muck it up with a with a team like this Michigan State team. But Ugana is going to get his chances. I, I would be really surprised if he doesn't. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Tom Izzo's watched Uganda now. He's got, he's got, he doesn't have the Bahamas tape because he wasn't there, but he's got now uh, about 40 minutes of, of in-game footage to, uh, to see maybe if they can exploit this 18-year-old who hasn't uh, been on a college campus for very long, see if they, they've found anything that they can do to him there. But, I mean, it's, it's 
you know, it's tough to exploit a seven footer who who moves his feet and, and has the timing that, that he seems to have. So yeah, I I expect him to play um some some definitely some meaningful minutes and uh we'll we'll see what he comes up with and, and see you know what he can do against a team like this. We could see Michigan State's Sissoko against Kentucky's Onyensa yeah. in the post for quite a bit. <laughs> a couple of imports who are uh, who uh, young players who really still both kind of learning the sport, but could really make an impact. Uh, okay, Ben. Uh, once again, it, uh, remind the listeners how they can follow you on Twitter and where they can find your work on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader, but online at Kentucky.com. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, Ben Roberts HL on Twitter, and um, yeah, like you said, Kentucky.com, and and uh, pretty much every day in the in the sports section of the Herald Leader, and we'll have, uh, you know, we've got one. It's kind of interesting. Um, tomorrow's game is going to be at at uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse there in Indianapolis, which was obviously the size of the St. Peter's loss. Right. Uh, which I, I had a preseason interview with Oscar Sheepway and, and he brought that up to me. I, I, I hadn't even really thought about it, but he brought it up to me and he said, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to have a vision in my head when I walk into that building and he didn't promise a win or, or a loss, but he promised that, that he, you know, this was before the injury, but that he was going to leave everything out there and, and talked about just kind of some lessons learned from that game. Um, and, and some others have talked about it since then so we got a story up on that right now and then i think a story tomorrow morning and in tomorrow's paper about you know cal's talked a lot about he thinks he has 11 scholarship guys who can really really play meaningful minutes but he's not going to do that we've seen he's not going to do that he's going to get it down to eight and maybe uh maybe how he goes about that and and uh that's something that i think we'll we'll start to see tomorrow night so look for those stories. Look for all of Ben's coverage leading up to during and after the game. Ben and I will both be up in Indianapolis. So look for all of our coverage on Kentucky.com. As always, thanks for being on the podcast, Ben. All right. Yep. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to Matt Charbonneau of the Detroit News and Ben Roberts of Kentucky.com. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Shoot me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Give us a rating review on wherever you find your podcasts, especially on Apple Podcasts. That just helps more people find the podcast. I had a podcast earlier this week with Mark Story where we talked about Kentucky football's loss to Vanderbilt. We also talked about the Kentucky-Michigan State matchup as well. Remember, we really appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Go to Kentucky.com, hit on that subscription tab, and check out all the offers for subscriptions to Kentucky.com. Thanks again to Matt Charbonneau. Thanks again to Ben Roberts. Be sure and look at Kentucky.com for plenty of coverage for Tuesday night's game between Kentucky and Michigan State. And we'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.